0: Well, good evening, everybody. It is kind of a smaller group of us is tonight. Uh, there's a, quite a few that are here and there and everywhere in between. And uh, I do pray for their safe journeys and all that they are. Uh, some of the pictures that we received from uh, where ours are, uh, they look like they're having a real good time. So uh, we're very thankful for that. But I am very appreciative of you all being here tonight. Uh, tonight is singing night. I hope we have enough singers to fill the gap. Uh, I think that these young men are probably more than willing and excited to to do that. But uh, I do have some things on my mind that I wanted to uh, kinda go over with you just a little bit so it will be short. Hopefully it won't take up too much but we can think about these things uh, at least to begin with. But there are times in everyone's life I suppose that things get pretty overwhelming. We just feel like there's so much going on. Uh, we're bombarded with so much, our relationships, our health. Uh, a lot of people suffer with a lot of health conditions, uh, jobs, the economy. Sometimes the aspects of life seem to pile up on us sometimes, and uh, it just gets hard to bear. Uh, some things are joyous, uh, they're good, events, sometimes hardships and trials, and, uh, which must be dealt with. And we find ourselves just wanting to catch our breath, to take a break in times especially of trials and suffering and uncertainty it's so very important to know how much God cares for us and I know that you take that uh, without any doubt how much God does care for us we talk about how much God cares for us every time we get together seems like Uh, it's overwhelming uh, to think about how much God loves you and cares for you each and every day but I'm in awe at the thought of our all knowing and all powerful God to think that all that he has done and continues to done each day uh, is just mind-bending uh, it's hard to wrap our minds am- around uh, all things are and continue because of God uh, this is very easy to get started with in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth starts right off the power of God displayed he created all things the power of our God is immediately discussed Uh, But the creation is not something that God just did. He just didn't create all things and then just step back and knock things into a spin and let it go. Uh, It's more than that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2 through 3 tells us a little bit more. That God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Through whom he made the world's. Who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the power, by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I want to point out that Jesus was not only active in creation, but even now all things are upheld. By his powerful word, the one who died for you is the one who continues for everything to continue today. The universe continues to spin. The earth continues to go around the sun because of Jesus' mighty word. In Colossians chapter one, verses sixteen and seventeen, the Bible says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. The word consist there means to stand according to vines. It means to stand with or fall together. Albert Barnes here commented that the meaning is that they are kept in their present state. Their existence, order, and arrangement are continued by his power. And if unsupported by him, they would fall into disorder or sink back into nothing because Of Jesus and his amazing power. His claim, his uh, uh, claim to be deity is so well proven. To think that all things continue, the sunshine that we enjoy, the sunrise, the sunset, the rain, the flowers that bloom, the seasons, our families, our friends, because each day we have, because he sustains everything around us. This has been called general providence by some, and it has been pointed out that the laws of nature, what we see naturally in life all around us, everything from everything that grows to the continuation of the days is dependent on the supernatural power of God. That's awe-inspiring to think about all that God does to make everything continue every day in and out. Our God is truly all-powerful. He does what His will is. He does what He wants at all times, and nothing is too hard for our God. And there is general providence. There is special providence also. As God takes care of His people through His behind-the-scenes, if you will, working using natural laws that are in place, it is easy to see how and why God would work in Esther and in Joseph. Stories that you guys well know from the Old Testament, how he uh, worked in their lives and uh, the difficulties that they endured, but with an end in sight. Sometimes they endured many difficulties. When we think about Joseph from the time he was probably about 17 years old, being sold by his brothers into slavery and all the trials that he went through. Yet he stayed faithful to God until the very end when he could see God's purpose in his life. The providence of God that worked with him. And uh, I do not know how God does all things through providence. To say what God is doing on any given day is more than what I can know or can I say what I can say. But I know God is providentially at work because of what the Bible tells me, how he did deal with and deliver the saints over and over again. And I trust he is still daily working in our lives to bring about his will as he did in those Old Testament worthies. His purpose, his plan. If you have an opportunity to study God's providence, even in the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul had the power to work miracles. He saw miracles uh, quite a bit. But to think about how God providentially Moved him through his life and took care of him all the way through. Uh, So to complete his will is just an amazing study. And I encourage each one of you to look at that. But even when the day is done, as far as special providence goes, the best we can do is say uh, perhaps that God was working to do those things. For Paul himself said that in Philemon, Philemon verse 15 concerning Onesimus the runaway slave who became a Christian a brother in Christ to his master Paul said perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever no longer a slave but a beloved brother perhaps did Paul believe that Paul or God's mighty hand was at work in bringing uh, Onesimus to salvation I believe he did but even he said perhaps Perhaps, and such is the working of providence. But I still trust in God to take care of me every day. I don't know or cannot know what all God does, but I do trust Him to take care of me. And how can I do that? How do I trust in God's providential care? Jesus, a sustainer, gave us a lesson on learning to trust God's providence. And it starts in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, is where I'm going to start. He cautions us about trying to serve two masters. One can, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Two masters, either God or mammon. The word mammon there means riches, and the idea is to trust in the riches or the wealth of the world if god is not the object of our trust if we do not love him and have confidence in him as our god then something else will take his place in our lives he will eventually end up in second place and he will not take that he has to take first place in our hearts and our pursuits and jesus is warning us against the riches of life taking that place that so worthily belongs to God and God alone. And in verse 25, he continues, therefore, therefore, because of what he has said previously, I say unto you, the Lord says unto you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. There's much more to what we what we, uh, what we need in life than what we have just for our bodies. Wayne Jackson says here of the word worry, or take no thought for the King James Version, or anxious, it carries the idea of don't keep on worrying. Don't keep on worrying. And though some anxiety is natural of the human mind, we must not be overcome by it. We must not let it take over our lives so that it causes us To lose focus on the more important things. But I want you to think about that. If God has created us and given us such complex, fearfully and wonderfully made bodies, is it not reasonable that he would provide everything for us? I marvel at the thoughts of men who think that we came from nothing and are going to nothing. To think about the wisdom that God has given us, the abilities that God has given us to perform in our lives, the abilities of our bodies that we have, and to think that that will all end when you die. It makes absolutely no sense to me, none at all. My thoughts would be something like having the most expensive sports car that you could buy and then not putting a cover on it, just leaving it. God is able to give us all the things that pertain to the necessities of life. If he's able to do this, to make our bodies as incredibly as they are, why wouldn't he be able to provide the simple necessities that we need? Even then, there is far more to life and its pursuits than our clothes, food, cars, homes, jobs. We have a goal in mind, a purpose to achieve, if you will, in life. There is far more to life than what we have for our physical needs. It's incredible to think about what all does for us. Verse 26, as we continue in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord said, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In another place, Matthew 10, verses 29 through 31, Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. The sparrow is considered by some to be a nuisance bird, something that was not worth anything, and yet... Their value was two are sold for a penny, but God regards each one when it dies. How much more care does he have for you, the most valuable of his creation? Far more greater in value to him than the sparrow is. Why worry? Even if a hair gets knocked off of you or it gets flushed down the drain when you take your shower, God knows it. Think about the care and the intention that God cares for you. It is absolutely amazing. As we go on to verse 27, he says, Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? What good does it do to worry? You can't get a little bit taller. You sure can't get better looking. I'm proof of that. But uh, one has said recently that why worry? If it's something you can fix and take care of it, fix it. Get it behind you. Why continue to worry. Don't let it eat you up. If applied to life in general, work, ask for help, patch it up, make it right, do whatever you've got to do, but quit worrying about it if you can do something about it. But if there's nothing you can do about it, don't worry. There's nothing you can do about it. It's not going to help you. It's not going to extend your life. It's not going to make you taller. It's not going to do anything for you, but it can take away from you. The effect of worry on the, on the human soul, the human body, uh, is very, very uh, toll-taking. It can do a lot to you. Don't worry. Verses 28 through 32, as the Lord continues in his discourse, he said, So why do you worry about clothing? He knows exactly who you are. He knows what we need to survive, what we need in life. We see the beauty of all that God has made in creation, and yet each has its purpose. We as Christians understand that this life is for us to come, uh, for us to come to know God, to love him, for us to know and take hold of the truly important things, the eternal things of life, and not overly focused on the earthly things and the treasures that we can build here that the rest of the world, the unbelievers, cherish above all else. How many unbelievers, this is all they have. Have you ever heard it said, the one who dies with the most toys wins? I've heard that in my life. What is the idea? Build up as much as you can, for one day you'll die and it'll go to somebody else. The the attainment of all that the material world has is the ultimate of life to them. God knows what we need in life. Unfortunately, some in Christ have lost focus on their eternal goal, where they're actually um, heading and what their purpose in life is, and they're preoccupied with the cares of the world. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. But what does Jesus tell us is the most important? Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That's a promise from God. If I put God first and seek him first, then what of life's needs will I not have? God will provide for you. He will take care of you. You will not be in need. And, but most importantly, we'll have possession of the greater spiritual needs that our Father has provided for us. Is that not the true purpose and peace in life? Is that not your goal? Heaven is worth it all. Verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. One of the biggest mistakes I think we make is to worry about the things that never come. We worry about things that never happen. And I read a blog today that stated that Cornell University had a study that said 85% of what people worried about never happened. 85 percent. And of the 15 percent that was last that they worried about that did come to pass, 80 percent of the time people handled the situation better than they thought they ever would. So in fact it was nothing to worry about anyway, was it? Why worry? Take care of today. Life has its problems. It's true. We're gonna deal with trials. We're gonna deal with health. We're going to deal with the necessities of life all around. But he cautions us, deal with what you deal with today. Don't pile more on than what you need to. Tomorrow, take care of that. Today's troubles are sufficient for it. But why are you worried? Perhaps it is tonight that you're not a Christian. Why would you not be? Why do you care and bear that, that burden of not being a child of God?